this is your storyteller. Welcome back to episode number 19. Loss of Freedom. And I kind of would like to say, this particular episode is a loss of freedom willingly. Yeah, I think that's what I want to call it. A loss of freedom, but willingly. In spite of my mother's incessant warnings to the people to keep their eyes open. Because she too felt like something was about to happen. Well, she only had a feeling, but I knew deep in my soul that something was happening and that the something was going to change my town and there would be no turning back. No rewinding the clock. No, if only I had listened. The wheels were in motion and I could feel it. I sensed it. Did I know that it would affect our freedom? No, I just knew that something was about to happen and that we would all be affected by it. It was times like these that I wished that I had played with dolls or played hide and seek and just been like the other kids. But too late. I already had this way of thinking this way about myself and I couldn't change it now. Maybe Mr. Shirley was right about me being an old soul. That was what he said. <laughs> I remember the day he said it. He just he was just staring at me and I, I asked him, I said, what are you looking at, Mr. Shirley? He said, do you know who you are, sweet Isabel? And I remember saying, yeah, I'm sweet Isabel. He said, yeah, but you are an old soul. I didn't know what that meant. But today, I feel like an old soul. And yet, I'm still only 13. Was me being me a curse? My sister didn't seem to notice the change. She was happy being who she was. Just happy. Getting into devilment. Tearing up stuff. Building stuff and tearing it up again. But just happy. My friends were happy being who they were. Damn, damn, double damn. What was happening to me? I kept hearing things and sensing things and feeling things and things affected me differently. That particular day, I remember running hard and fast to the hayloft. I jumped in the middle of that hay. I covered myself up in the hay and I felt like I was suffocating at first. 
But then as I relaxed, I could smell the freshness of the hay. And I looked around at the innocence of the barn. And it began to make me remember who I was. Just being in that hayloft, the freedom that it gave me, I remembered that I was sweet Isabel. Sweet Isabel. Free Isabel. My sweetness and my goodness was being tampered with, and it felt like an intruder. Something was trying to take over the real essence of who I was. I began to scream out loud, Come back, sweet Isabel, come back. It's all right. All of it is all right. Just come back. I remember how I cried in the hay and begged God to send sweet Isabel back. Man, I didn't want to lose her. It seemed like I was always fighting to hold on to her. And that day in the hayloft, I said something to God that I had not said before. I said, if you are real, then send her back to me. (laughs) Boy, I regretted saying it the minute it left my mouth. If you are real. If you are real. Because he was real. I knew he was real. And I said to him, Forgive me. Lord, forgive me for speaking foolishly. I know you are real. You're just being you. And you are making me see just how real life is. And how real it would be for me when I leave here. And even when I grow up. You're just being you. Forgive me. I knew that he did. I felt comforted. I fell asleep covered in hay. I woke up with my mother sitting in the corner of the barn. She said to me, Are you ready for this world, little girl? I said, Yes, ma'am. I'm ready. I will help you to fight. Because of what I felt, I wish that I could go into the pulpit and yell out to the people about the change. But I was still too young. I was still just a child. But darn it, I would certainly tell the story someday. I would write about the change 
and the effects that the change had on my people and how I viewed them afterwards. I would write about all of this. Change was coming, and it was coming fast. More and more whites were beginning to come into our area. They never came down into the hollow that much before. The hollow was ours. Under the hill was ours. Down in the bottom, that was ours. That belonged to us. But it seemed like overnight, they awakened to the reality that we were all a part of the same town. Although, we were just fine being separate. They were everywhere. Sitting on our porches. Sitting their dirty butts on our freshly starched and iron chair cushions. Sitting on the edge of the steps. Fanning themselves with their big white hats. Fanning either from the flies and the gnats or from the sun. And they usually had a cold glass of something. Lemonade, sweet tea, or cold milk. They were just making themselves at home. They began calling the older people Grandma or Annie. And the older men they called Grandpa and Uncle. The people couldn't see it. But I could see that it was a put down. It turned out that these intruders were not local yokers. They were from the county seat, the next town over. This news was told to my mother in secret, that they were not local yokers. It turned out that the local whites didn't like the idea of them coming in, taking over and trying to trick us. They agreed that these intruders were up to no good. Well, I could have told them that. But the secret teller begged my Madea not to create a public ruckus and not to let on that she knew anything about their shenanigans. They said, Rose, we know you have to alert the people. Just don't let on that we told you. Well, Rose gave them her word. And I reminded her over and over and over again that she had given her word. She would look at me as if she hated that I even knew about it. I reminded her that she had already warned the people long before the white folks came. But they wouldn't hear. They wouldn't listen to her. Well, she still tried one more time to warn them. She called yet another meeting. And they all mumbled and grumbled and complained. And the deacon of the church stood up and said loudly and mockingly, as if we didn't know that he was mocking her. Well, what now, Miss Rose? What now? Did sweet Isabel have one of her dreams about trouble coming to all of us and our children's children? What now?
My mother stood up slowly with her hat in her hand. She said, Nothing. It's nothing. Deacon, it's nothing. So, pardon me for taking up your sweet time. God bless you all. And she proceeded to walk out. Miss Jane and May began to plead with my mother not to leave. She said, don't leave. Don't be mad. I got so scared. I looked up toward heaven and I asked God to please don't let my mother say anything. Please, Lord, just let her keep walking out. He answered my prayer. My mother took her hat and threw it across the room. The hat smacked Miss Jane and May right in the face. I was glad about that. I was real glad. On the walk home from church, it was pitch black, and I was scared of snakes because a lot of times snakes would be lying across the road. But this time I was more focused on my mother's feelings. I said, my dear, do you want to just say out loud, damn, damn, double damn? <laughs> she said, no, sweet Isabel, and you better not either. That's cussing and you know it. I thought you had religion, girl. We both began to laugh. She said, sweet Isabel, it's all right. Those are still my people. They just don't have in them what I have in me. And they can't see what I can see. And I can't put it in them. Either you have it or you don't have it. Either you want it or you don't. The ones that were not born with it could still want it and seek it, but they don't have the grit. Little girl, I was born with grit. But they still my people. And yours, sweet Isabel. Don't ever forget that. That these are your people. Well, these white intruders, they were always going everywhere in the community. They always had a notepad and pencils and ink pens, always trying to sell us something, sell us oils, insurance policies, burial plots or something. My mother didn't like it and neither did I. I think I felt like they were trying to make a fool out of us, sneaking up on us, and trying to trick us somehow. Now, we didn't hate them, and I felt strongly that that they didn't hate us, but they didn't know us like that. They were not a part of our community. My mother kept meeting with the people, warning them to be careful. Keep your eyes open, she said. Don't be no fool. Don't go signing anything without letting your folks read it over. She said it to them over and over again. We've got all these educated teachers here. Let one of them look over every piece of paper they give you. Don't be no fool. Well, it turned out that they really were up to something. 
up to no good. That's what it was. I went to the post office to pick up our mail. And what did I see? In our two-page local newspaper, in big, bold letters, government subsidy coming to my town. Government subsidy. Government subsidy. Government subsidy coming to my town. I read on further and it said that it would be available to everyone that signed up for it. It said, not one colored person in our area would ever go hungry again. I said, talking out loud, who was hungry? Right in the post office, I just began talking. I said, who was hungry? Who were the colored people that were hungry? What are they talking about? I think I created a a little bit of a ruckus because everybody was looking at me. My blood was boiling. And I knew that if if my blood was boiling, only the good Lord knew what degree of boiling my mud deer would have. I ran home as fast as I could to give my mud deer the news. Well, you know it. (laughs) What did she do? She called the church meeting again. She was on the war path again. She kept saying, I told you, I told you, I told you. Didn't I tell you that they were up to something with their notepads and ink pens? Sneaky devils. She asked them, who are the colored people that are hungry? I'm asking you, which one of you said that the colored people were hungry? The lie had to come from your mouth. Which one of you told the lie? Nobody said a word. They just looked from one to the other. She went down the road. You hungry? No, ma'am. You hungry? Your children been hungry? No, Miss Rose. We ain't hungry. Your mama and your daddy been hungry? No, ma'am. I kept saying inside of myself, you lying devils, all of you. But I kept it inside. Mama just said, you devils went and signed up for government subsidy, didn't you? Finally, Miss Jane and May stood up. Miss Rose, it's nothing. It's extra food and it's free. No, we ain't hungry. It's just extra food, that's all. And she repeated, and it's free. She had her hands on her hips. All of us don't have cows and chickens and hogs and goats. And all of us can't afford to rent space in your chicken yard or buy hogs from you and pay for free for feed. It's extra and it's free. That's all it is. My mother had heard enough. She got up and left. <laughs>
but not before looking back at them, she said. It ain't free. You'll see. It ain't free. You bitches of a slut pitcher, it ain't free. But you were. Before you signed up for government subsidy, you were free. Now you are no longer your own person. You were free before you started buying stuff out of the back of their old beat-up trucks and cars. Buy two, get the other one free. Look at how many items you bought two of in order to get another one free. Didn't you only have money for one? Didn't you only need one? It ain't free. She kept saying it over and over again. It ain't free. You ran behind that truck chasing after watermelons like you never had a watermelon before. You had them growing in your own yard, behind your house, on the side of the road. Watermelons everywhere. Miss Janie, Miss Janie May chimed in again. But they were cold. They were nice and cold, Miss Rose. Real nice and cold. I wanted to slap the taste right out of her loud mouth. I was hoping that my mother would slap her, but she didn't. <clears throat> boy, if I was older. And boy, if my sister was here, she would run up to her and just slap her. My mother kept talking. She said, her voice was lower by now. She said, I kept that old store of mine open for you so that you would, you would have a place to buy food if you had money or buy it on time if you didn't. I kept a hog pen full of hogs and pigs so that you would have fresh meat, with or without money. I kept a smokehouse full of every kind of meat you want. You've been in there. Janie Mae, you've been in there. You know how much meat is in there. Did you ever ask me for a side of meat and I refused you? I'm asking you a question. Answer me, she said. They said, no, you always gave it to us. She said, I had meat of all kinds. Some meats pickled, some meats smoked, any kind of meat you wanted. It was there. I offered you a a portion of the field to make your own crop, to feed your own mouth, or even to sell and put money in your own pockets. That was freedom. This ain't free. What you're about to do, or what you've already done, you gave up your freedom. But all of her talk fell on deaf ears. Well, the government subsidy did come in. Food was distributed once a month at one location. 
from a big truck, and the people acted like it was their happy birthday. The subsidy came in in the form of powdered milk, powdered eggs, spam, something called spam in a can. I guess it was supposed to be like ham. Peanut butter, hard cheese, and macaroni in the box. They added some other food items later on. I heard that a family overcrossed the Big Creek ate so much of that cheese that they were all constipated and had to be rushed to a nearby hospital, all of them. That cheese didn't seem to be any good for anybody. The people were happy to get their subsidy every month. But my dear hated that time of the month. She said, I hate this time of the month worse than God hates sin. She would sit on her porch and watch them walking in twos, headed to the Trailways bus station where the big truck was parked with a government subsidy. It seemed like something changed in the atmosphere around that time of the month. Seeing the people lined up, bunched up together, waiting anxiously, grabbing and fussing in the line. It didn't seem real to my young eyes, but I was writing as fast as I could as I watched their faces. I couldn't believe what my eyes were seeing. The free food changed them all together. These were my people. These were people that I loved and respected. But somehow, I felt myself looking at them differently. I didn't want to see them differently. But it was as if they were the ones forcing me to to look at them in that way. They were the ones presenting my young eyes with a different picture of them. When I saw them violating the rules, like sending people down to the trucks to hold hold them a place in line, or getting more than they were allotted to receive, it didn't look right and it didn't feel right to me. Because I knew that for them, it was less about hunger but more about free food. My mother was right. I looked at them differently when they shouted at church and talked about how strong their faith in God was. They loved to talk about Daniel, how Daniel refused to eat the king's meat, how he was not afraid and how he trusted God and stood his ground. But Daniel didn't compromise his freedom. They did. My mother always said that talk is cheap. Well, I now understood what she meant. They talked faith, but had none. Could I ever respect them again? I'm sure if they needed the food, I would have understood but I was hard-pressed to see the need. We were a small town, and we knew everything about each other. We took care of each other. We took care of each other's needs. 
So my young eyes did not understand this position that I saw them take. I understood free, but not this kind of stance. But did I want to lose respect for them? Just over government subsidy? Just because they wanted free food? Did I? I kept hearing Miss Jamie, Miss Janie Lee's, uh, Miss Janie May's voice as she was said, "It's just free food. It's just extra. It's just free food. It's just extra." Well, I had to wonder: Did I really want to lose respect for them just because they wanted something free? Maybe Miss Janie Mae was right. It was just free food. That's all. I decided that I didn't want to care anymore about it. I just wanted to keep seeing them the way that I always did. My mother was right. These were my people. The people that made me who I was. They still told their stories. I still wanted to hear them. Miss Ida May still had her stories of how her own brother raped her and how all of her children were by her brother. She still sat on her porch repeating her story and crying. And I still had great respect for her. And I still wanted to write her stories someday. So, did I really want to care about them getting the free food if that was what they wanted to do? Deacon Paul was still coughing up phlegm and spitting it out in his coat pocket. Even though he too got the free food. It was just extra. That was what Miss Janie May said. It was just extra, that's all. I still respected him. I still smiled when he prayed the same prayer over and over again and ended it with, when I've gone in my room to come out no more, please, Lord, save me a home in thy kingdom for Christ's sake, I pray. (laughs) I always love to hear him say that. He looked so sad, like he was afraid that God would not save him a home in his kingdom. I didn't want to be mad with him. I'm sure the Lord didn't like him spitting in his coat pocket, but I don't think that that would keep him out of heaven. I would still tell his story. And besides, after we came to grips with the government subsidy fiasco, a month later, They came back to our churches with their notepads and their ink pens and their big white hats, wanting to introduce us to a new breakfast cereal called Shredded Wheat. Well, we didn't know anything about shredded wheat for breakfast. We ate pork chops, fried chicken, tenderloins, fried liver, grits, rice, eggs, and biscuits. 
the men with the big white hats came to the church and explained that they wanted to give free cereal to our community. Well, this time the people didn't like it, but they agreed to try it. Why? Because it was free. It was free. Miss Janie May was the one that said, it's just free food, it's just extra, that's all. My mother was adamant that her girls would not be participating in the free cereal. She said it's just an experiment. She said they would just experiment on the colored children to see whether or not the cereal was good or bad before they let the white children eat it. I think she was right. I think they were experimenting on us. Well, my sister and I got our orders that when they came to give, it, give us the, uh, the shredded wheat, we were to run home as fast as we could. The cereal was in little boxes with a perforated top. And you just push the, push the little top in and there the cereal was. The men showed us how to open it up with our fingers and then they poured the milk right into the box. So the box and the, the milk and the cereal was all one. My sister and I didn't run right away, even though we were told to. But it wasn't long before we began to see all of our friends become sick at the same time. They were eating that cereal, that shredded wheat, and they were doing the number one, two, and three all at one time. The floor was a nasty mess and their clothes were almost unrecognizable. They were throwing up all over the place. The men didn't try to help the children. They were just looking at them and writing really fast. I remember how their faces looked so excited. It was almost like they were happy to see what was going on with the children. They were writing so fast and they offered no help at all. It was an experiment. They were experimenting on us. When we saw that, when we saw how sick the children were, we ran out of the building as fast as we could and no one ran after us. We were out of breath by the time we got home because we didn't start running until we reached the porch. We told my mother what happened. She didn't say a word. We were all excited telling her the story. She just grabbed her hat in her hand and put her, put her apron on and went outside to tend the animals. I saw the tears fall from my eyes. I ran behind her, but she put her hands up and said, go back to the house, little girl, just go. That day, I cried for my community, for my friends. And I asked the Lord, what else? What else is coming to change our way of living? What else? Well, something else did come almost immediately. 
The same white men came to our newly built school and said that every Friday they would be delivering to us red apples. They said the red apples could be used as an incentive for learning. That whoever did well in a particular subject would be entitled to a red apple. The men were so excited as if they were doing us a grand favor. When my mother heard it, what did she do? She called a meeting again. It was short this time. But she said she just wanted to ask a few questions, and then she would leave and go home. She said to the principal, Just about every child in your school have an apple tree in their yard. Red apples and green apples, good apples and bad apples. What is it about these red apples that are different than the ones that these children have been eating all of their born days? He was angry. He was a light-skinned guy, and his whole face had turned red. He looked like he wanted to hit Madea. He didn't know who she really was. If he had raised his hand to her, he would have regretted that for the rest of his days, if he lived. He said, Miss Rose... These apples do not have worms like the ones that we sometimes have on our trees. And they are much better. And they are free. And all the parents have agreed to participate. She said, okay. But my girls will not participate. They have plenty of apples on the tree to eat. Apples whenever they want apples. They've got apples in the backyard, the front yard, on the side, in the field. They got apple trees everywhere, so they won't be participating. Well, they brought the apples in huge baskets every Friday and set them in each classroom. They were really big and just blood red. They looked really good, too. My sister had already said that she was going to get herself an apple. And when she went up to get her apple, her teacher said, "Mm Mm-mm. Remember, Miss Rose said her girls would not be participating. So I wasn't even going to try because if my mother said no, I was, I was not going to go against her rules. That would surely make her look really bad. And big red apples was not worth it to me. I did agree, I had to agree, that sometimes the apples that we had had worms in them which meant that we had to cut the apple open first to see if they had worms. And yes, the apples were, and these apples here were nice and shiny and bigger than the ones that we had. But it wasn't worth going against my dear. 
And no, this time the children did not get sick. And yes, it did cause them to work harder. And they were more excited about doing their homework and even coming to school rather than staying home playing. The men wrote fast and furious in their notepads about their progress. We never knew what they did with their information. In fact, we never knew what they did with their information about the shredded wheat. We didn't see them anymore after that. I said to the Lord, Now, can we get back to being like the town that I know and love? Can we? Is it over now? Now, can I go to the hayloft and just dream? Until next time, I am the storyteller.